I want to be one of the first ones to say Merry Christmas to you. I, uh, I know we're just two days away, but, but Merry Christmas to you. I, I'm going to be honest when I say this. I really do love this time of year. It's one of my favorite times of the year for several reasons. Um, I love Christmas music. I love the songs that we just sang a while ago. I know some of you, the, you're like, well, I've never even heard these songs. Those songs have been around for years. Those, they're very traditional songs, but I like to sing them. I love the, uh, the Christmas music that's on the radio. As a matter of fact, I've been listening to uh, the Holly channel on um, satellite radio, I think, since the day after Thanksgiving. And just, I just love this time of year. I love the Christmas candy. I love uh, when my wife makes the candy, the uh, you know, the reindeer mix stuff and uh, the peppermint patties and the fudge and just, I mean, it's, how many loves Christmas candy? It's okay, it's, it's okay. I think this is the one time of the year when, when God gives us grace to eat whatever and just, you know, forgiveness and it's awesome. I, I love, I love um, giving my wife and my kids uh, presents and seeing the joys that's on there. They say yes, they, and seeing the joy that's on their face when they open them. I, I love Christmas. I love this time of year. Matter of fact, like the song says, I truly believe it is the most wonderful time of the year. I love the lights and decor. I love everything about Christmas. I love Hallmark Christmas movie. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, and that'll, get, that'll preach, I guess. But I, I love this time of year. And, and I was thinking about all the Christmas. I'm 46 years old. I've had 46 Christmases to celebrate. So I've got a little bit of experience as to what Christmas is about and how much I like it. And I was trying to think about some of my most memorable uh, Christmases that I've had. And obviously at the top has to be the very first Christmas I ever spent with my wife. I mean, that has, I got to say that just to, you know, keep peace in the family. <laughs> but, but other than that, I was thinking about the, probably if I could put a, a pen and, and paper to it, it would be um, Christmas of 1985. Now, many of you probably weren't even born then, but I believe I was 13 years old, and it was the year that uh, the Nintendo, uh, uh, the NES, Nintendo Entertainment System, for those of you that think that's, that's Greek or whatever, that, that's like the PlayStation of the day, you know, back then. That would be like the equivalent of the PlayStation. It was when, when Nintendo was releasing their... Uh, their entertainment, their, their, their console. And that year, really, that was the only thing, that was the main thing that I wanted. I wanted that. You know, I was tired of the Atari. I was tired of the Pong games and the things that, you know, just, just the, you know, uh, ones and zeros and things that you couldn't make. I was tired. I wanted, I wanted the top-of-the-line gaming system. And so I had asked for that. And I knew it was expensive. And I knew that there was, it was probably a long shot for me to get that gift. But I asked for it anyway because I'd been a good boy and I deserved it. And like any child, I was scouting out the Christmas presents. And, and you could tell that by the dimensions of the presents, by the size of the presents, that the thing that I had asked for was not under the tree. It was obvious it wasn't there. And so I was, I was trying to still be excited about Christmas. And I'd open the gifts and I'd get the pair of jeans. Eh, thanks, I appreciate that. You know how it is when your grandparents get you something. And, oh, thanks, Grandma. I love these pot holders. It's, it's what I've always wanted for Christmas. You try to have joy, but... But deep down inside, you really wanted something else. And uh, so I opened all the gifts, and it come down to my last gift. And, and I knew I wasn't getting what I asked for. And the last gift was in the shape of, it was a cylinder, a long cylinder. As a matter of fact, I believe it was a tennis ball holder. And, and, and so I'm, I'm opening that up, you know, trying to be joyful and trying to be thankful. And, and inside that cylinder tube was a piece of paper. And I pulled out that paper, and it said, 
your big gift is in the bedroom closet. And man, I ran so fast to my parents' bedroom and slid open the bifold closet doors, and there it was. The Nintendo Entertainment System, the Deluxe Edition with Duck Hunt with the gun. You remember this? And, and, and Gyromite with Rob the Robot. How many remember that? Yeah. I was on cloud night. That was probably the most memorable Christmas I've yet to experience. Now I get socks and Tic Tacs and gummy bears. That's, those, are, those are my Christmas presents. But I'm thankful. I really am. I'm thankful for Christmas. I love this time of year. But one of the things that I'm most fond of, and really the reason uh, behind uh, me liking Christmas, is the Christmas story. And I'm not talking about the movie. That's probably one of the most boring movies I've ever watched. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I'm talking about the true story of Christmas. And, and I was thinking about this, that it's, it's so easy for us to get caught up in the commercialization of Christmas. And I mentioned the Hallmark movies. It's easy to get caught up in that and shopping and, and being with family, whether we like them or whether we don't like them. It's, it's, it's easy to get caught up in that. But, but many times I think that we truly fail to recognize what Christmas is all about. And so what I want to do in the, in the next little while is I want to share with you the true Christmas story. We're going to read that, and then I want to share with you the why behind Christmas. Because I, I believe that so many times that we can get so focused on other things that we truly forget why Christmas even exists. As a matter of fact, if that story is not passed down, and if we're not teaching that to our children, there are a lot of children, maybe in this room this morning, maybe people who will watch this online, who've never even heard... The true Christmas story, why we even celebrate Christmas. So I want to take a few moments and I want to read this story to you straight from the Bible. Now I'm going to, I'm going to bounce around between uh, Luke and Matthew because both of those um, writers share the Christmas story and they both share uh, different details, you know. And so I want to weave those two together and make this um, uh, as 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 understandable as possible. So if you want to follow along in your Bible, you can. I will be going back and forth, or you can just look on the screen. We're going to be in Luke's, Luke chapter 1 and 2, and then also in Matthew chapter number 1. I'm going to start in Luke chapter number 1, in verse number 26. This is the Christmas story. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, But how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Now flip to Matthew chapter number 1. We're going to start in verse number 20. As Mary's fiancé Joseph 
considered breaking off the engagement, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Now back to Luke, this time chapter number 2, verse number 1. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. Some translations word it a little more clearly. It says, who was now obviously pregnant. She was well advanced. I mean, she was close to giving birth. Verse number 6. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Now these, these passages of scripture that I just read to you, this is the Christmas story. That God coming down from heaven, being born as a human to be the savior of the world. That's the story of Christmas. God coming to this earth to be born as a human to become the savior of the world. Now, when you think about that, you ha it actually poses a question. And the question is this. If, if a Savior is coming, what in the world do we need to be saved from? Why a Savior? I, I don't need saving. There's not anything that I need to be saved from. What would it be? And that, answer, that question is actually answered in the Christmas story. As a matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, we read it. I want to read it again. The angel said to Joseph, your fiance Mary is going to have a son. And you're going to name him Jesus. 
Because he's going to save his people from their sins. Matter of fact, that's what the name Jesus means. Is he's the one who saves. He says, here is why she's going to have a child. And here's why you're going to name him Jesus. Because he is going to save his people from their sins. So through this angel's announcement, we see that a Savior is going to be born to save people from their sins. Now, that, that poses another question. Or, a, or, a, or rather, a series of questions. What is sin? If he's going to save us from sin, then what is sin? And where did it come from? And how do you know if you have it? I mean, is it, is, is, are there symptoms? Well, actually, there are. But, but how do you know that you have it? These are questions that, that have to be answered in order to understand, but also not just to understand, but to appreciate the Christmas story. You know, it doesn't matter how long that we have been a child of God. This is, this is something, that these, these questions, these series of questions that we're, we're posing here, these are things that have to be answered in order for us to continue to appreciate the Christmas story. Because it's one of those things to where we can almost become numb to it. It can become just another season, or it can become all about the, the decorations and candy and music, and, and that not intentionally, but unintentionally, we forget why we even celebrate Christmas in the first place. So, so let's answer these questions. What, what is sin? Where did it come from? And how do you know if you have it? In order to, to answer these questions, you, you have to go all the way back to the beginning. 6,000 years ago, none of us were here. Um, 6,000 years ago, back to the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth. And everything that God created was perfect. It was good. Everything. And everything that God created, He designed it to live or to last forever. Even mankind. He created man perfect. I know, ladies, that's, that's, um, that's, that's hard to believe. But yes, He created man perfect. He created woman, guys, whether we want to admit that or not, He created woman to be perfect. And they were perfect. Everything was good. Everything was designed to last forever. All mankind had to do was live by God's standards and just obey God and, and live within His boundaries. But all of us know the story. We all know what happened. Man disobeyed and, and when he disobeyed sin and death came into the world. Sin and death is, is a result of their disobedience. Now this, this perfect human being had become Tainted. They were no longer perfect. They had been tainted by sin. Now they had become sinners. They were no longer uh, in right standing with God. They were no longer righteous. They were no longer holy. Now they had, had died spiritually. They had been separated from God. And now because of, of their imperfection, listen, this is important, every child that come into existence from them, which would be everyone, would be tainted as well. Because you can't take two imperfect people and make a perfect child. You can't even take one perfect person and, and one imperfect person and make a perfect child. They would all be tainted just like the first man and the first woman. They would all be born as sinners. Every single one of us. From 6,000 years ago, from the very first child that come from Adam and Eve all the way to today, every single human being, every single baby that has been born has been born... A sinner. Not by any of our faults, 
but because the first man disobeyed. We were all born as sinners. And even today, no matter how good that you think that you are, we're all sinners in need of a Savior. Every single one of us. You may be here today and you think, well, Scott, you don't, you don't know me or you don't know my goodness. I am a really good person. And my question back to you would be, by whose standards would you say that you are a good person? Maybe in your eyes and by your standards, you're a good person. And maybe even by my eyes, you may be a good... I may think, man, he's a good person. He's a good guy. She's a good guy. But those aren't the standards that we're going... What did I say? Y'all laughing? Oh, well, you know the world that we live in today. He's, he's a good guy. <laughs> guy as in generic person. Okay. Don't make me lose track, man. This is the message of the year I, I'm trying to deliver here. But, but no matter how good that we think that we are, we're going to... Well, it's these standards that, that we're given an account to. And we won't give an account to, to God according to our standards, but according to His. He's the one who created us. He is the one whose standards that we have to answer to. So all of us, no matter how good that we think that we are, we're not perfect. We're not, which is God's standards. We're not holy. We're not righteous. It doesn't matter the good deeds that we've done. We have inherited sin. We were born sinners, corrupt, with no way to save ourselves, with no way to make that right, with no way to satisfy God's standard for righteousness. Now, you may be sitting here thinking, oh, well, yeah, but what's the big deal with that? I mean, even though we may not be able to satisfy God's standards of righteousness, what's so big about that? Well, without being able to satisfy God's standard for righteousness, there is no hope of heaven. There is no hope for eternal life, which all of us desire to be in heaven. All of us desire to live forever, to have that eternal life. And this, my friend, is why we needed a Savior to save us from the consequences of our sin, which is eternal separation from God. Someone had to pay the, the, the penalty for our sin, which is death. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin... Is death. Someone had to pay that. And it couldn't be just anyone. You or I could not pay for our own sin. And the reason is, is because we were sinners. We didn't qualify to pay for our sin. It's kind of like a broke person, broke, they have no money, they're in poverty, having to pay a $100,000 bond to get out of jail. How are they going to pay? They can't pay that. They have no money to pay it with. The same is true for you and I because we were born as sinners and not any fault of our own, but we were born. We inherited sin from the first man who disobeyed and, and all sin was passed down through him. There was no way for us to pay the penalty for that sin. Even if we would die, we still couldn't satisfy that penalty because it had to be someone who was sinless. It had to be someone who would fulfill God's law. It had to be someone who would live a perfect and righteous life. That would be the only person who could pay for our sin. You and I can't make enough money to pay for it. We can't um, borrow enough money to pay for it. We can't do enough good deeds to pay for it, although good deeds are good. None of those things would pay for our sin. None of those things would make us right with God. Only the death of a sinless person could pay that price. You know, some people 
may question this story and they may think, well, you know, I don't understand God's intentions. Why would he do this? Why, you know, why would he eternally separate people from him because man made a bad choice? And I, my, my reply to that would be this, that it was never God's plan to be separated from his creation. That was never his plan. That was never his plan for the human race to, to disobey and, and, and go outside of his standards. But I guarantee you, God knew that that was going to happen. It wasn't his plan, but he knew that mankind was going to mess up. That's why the Bible says that he had a, a sacrifice, a lamb that was slain from the foundations of the world. Before he even created the world, he had a sacrifice prepared. Because he knew that man was going to mess it up. And what God did was what I would consider to be the, the unthinkable. God sent his only son to be the sacrifice for us. As sinners, as a matter of fact, we're going to read this together. The most, un unquestionably the most famous, famous probably not the word, but most well-known scripture in all of the Bible. John chapter 3, 16. This, this really is the Christmas story in a nutshell. John 3, 16. Uh, read this with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That word perish there doesn't just mean to die and just you know, cease to exist. It doesn't just mean a physical death. That word perish there means to be eternally separated from God. Spiritually dead forever. He said God sent his one and only son so that if we'd believe in him, we wouldn't perish. We wouldn't be eternally separated from him, but that we would have everlasting life. And the way that God gave his son to the world is the reason that we celebrate Christmas. You may not have ever thought about this, but God could not have just shown up on the earth just out of the blue as a Savior. And let me tell you why. And, and I, I want to keep this in the, in the Christmas theme, but, but, but there's a lot of things that, that has to be set up. When God created the human beings, man and woman, Adam and Eve, you, you know the story if you've read that. He gave them dominion over everything. In other words, he's, he's like, this earth, this, this is yours. I'm giving you dominion over everything. So he gave up, really, the, the authority to the earth. He gave that to mankind. And they lost that. They were deceived by the enemy. They were tricked and they were robbed from that. And so it was only, since a human was the one that lost that, to, as a human was the one that had the authority over the earth, it was only as a human that that could be gotten back. So God couldn't just show up on the scene as God and just assert his own authority and, and overthrow his own rules and laws that he had established. He had to do it within the right context. So he had to do it as a human being. And the only way that you could legally become a human being was to go through the proper channels. To, literally, to be born as a baby. That was the only way. As a matter of fact, and, and some people take this, it, it could mean other things, but, but uh, Jesus, he makes a comment some, somewhere in the Gospels. He's, he's talking about, you know, uh, the door or, or the gate coming through this and, and anyone else who comes any other way as a thief or a robber, you can take that to mean that, that he, has, he, he come legally. He, he is here with it, uh, in the rights of God. He was established here. He's, he's not a thief. He's not a robber. He's, he's been born here. He is legally, if you will, rightfully a human being. So he was born as a, 
as a human being. But, the, but this presented a problem because I just told you a while ago that every single human being that was born was born a sinner because man had become tainted. Man had become imperfect. Man had become unholy. Now, every human being that's born through man was now unholy. They were now imperfect. So if God had to become a human in order to become the Savior, in, other, in, in order to live a holy life, to live a, a sinless life so that he could fulfill the requirements of God, how in the world could he do that, be born a human being without being corrupted by sin? This adds to the Christmas story. This is where the Christmas story comes back in, right? See, we don't think about this. This is all part of it. We, we just sing in songs while they go round yon verge. What in the world does that mean? Well, I mean, the way it's worded, it just means together round, you know, here, here, let's come see this child. But, but what in the world is this virgin birth all about? The only way that God could be born as a human without being tainted by sin is if he was conceived by the Holy Spirit to where this seed or this bloodline had not been corrupted by the earthly father. I, I love this. Matter of fact, let's just read it. Luke chapter 1, verse 34 through 38. God arranged a virgin birth. Let's, let's read this. Verse, verse 34, Luke 1. Mary asked the angel. She's asking because the, the angel said, you're, you're going to give birth. <laughs> Not just give birth and you're barren, but you're going to give birth to the Son of God. I mean, no wonder she's confused and disturbed. That would disturb anyone. She said, how in the world can this happen? I'm a virgin. And, and I think we all know what that is. And just in case you live in a world where you don't, that's, she hasn't had sex. Okay? She's, she's a virgin. How, is this, how am I going to have a baby? I've never... Been with a man. The angel replied, here's how it's going to happen. The Holy Spirit. Everybody say the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And the power of the Most High is going to overshadow you. And the baby that's going to be born is going to be holy. He's going to be perfect. He's going to be without sin. He's not going to be born like every other uh, human being and being corrupted by sin being passed down from the earthly father. This baby, this child is going to be born without sin because he is going to be conceived by the Holy Spirit and he is going to be called the Son of God. Now, obviously, the angel that was there had, had to have been obviously graced by God with the announcement, but then God had given Mary a, an overwhelming abundance of grace to be able to say what she was about to say. Because she said... I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. In other words, she's not asking questions, not asking any more questions about like, how, how's this going to happen? I mean, something that the angel said, there was anointing on, on it, I'm sure, and, and, and that God gave her this grace to be able to understand. And she said, okay, I am your servant. God, whatever you want, let it happen. And then the angel left her. This is why the virgin birth is so important. The virgin birth meant that no earthly father contributed to the conception which allowed Jesus to be born without sin. It's not just another part of the story. This is a very, very important part of the story. To allow Jesus, our Savior, to be born without sin. And not only was Jesus born as a human without sin, but the Bible also says that he lived a sinless life. It's one thing to be born without sin, but then he had to live a sinless life because even though he's born without sin, if he sins once, he's tainted. The sacrifices 
is disqualified. He's no longer good enough. He's no longer holy enough to be the ultimate sacrifice. But he lived a sinless life through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read you two places. There are several places in Scripture where this is documented. One of them is Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 through 15. It says this, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, that's who he's talking about, let us hold firmly to what we believe. The high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. This is important. For he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Guys, this is, this is so important. This high priest of ours, this, this Jesus, faced all the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. First of all, that tells me that Jesus did not sin. He lived a sinless life. But secondly, it tells me that, that there is no temptation, there is no addiction, there is no stronghold, there's nothing that's too strong for my God. He has faced it, he has overcome it. That no matter what it is that I'm dealing with, it seems like I may not be able to shake, it's, it has me discouraged, it has me depressed, the enemy is lying to me, my God has gone, he's, he's faced that and has overcome it, and because he has overcome it, I now can overcome it through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's so important. It's more than just a Christmas story. It's more than just about the virgin birth at this point, is it? Now it's about how does that affect my life? Not only does it affect me eternally, but now through the power of the Holy Spirit, because Jesus was able to overcome these, now greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. There is no stronghold that's too big that I can't walk out of through Jesus. And this is not just something that can happen on December the 25th. This is something that can happen every day throughout the year, whatever it is that you're faced with this morning. Maybe the enemy's lying to you, right? Well, obviously, if he's speaking to you, he is lying because he cannot tell the truth, the Bible says. But maybe you have, have thoughts that are just contrary to the Word of God today, and you're wondering where these thoughts are coming from. You're wondering why, how you can break this because it feels so, so good or it feels so right, it feels so natural. I'm here to tell you that the enemy is a liar and that God can give you the strength to overcome. So he faced all the same testings, yet he did not sin. Another place is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. God made him, speaking of Jesus, look at this, who had no sin, to be sin for us. Okay, this, so, so Jesus is born without sin. He grows up. He lives a sinless life. Now it comes to the time and place where he... He, he is, he's going to pay for our sin on the cross. He's going to be crucified and pay that penalty for us. God made him who had never sinned, who had no sin, to be sin for us. To take our sin so it could be nailed to the cross. So that we could become the righteousness of God. So, so that we could be reconciled with God. So that while we were hopeless and, and helpless without a savior that we couldn't be made right, God says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send my son. He's going to be born as a human being without sin. He's going to live a sinless life. And he's going to take your sin and he's going to crucify that to the cross. And he's going to become your savior because he's going to take away your sin through this act of obedience by going to the cross. Why did he do that? So that we could be made right with God. This verse tells us how Jesus grew up, how he lived a sinless life, how he took our place on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. Why did he do that? So that we could be made right with God. This is why Jesus 
came. This is the why behind Christmas. This is why unto us a child was born, unto us a son was given. This is why Jesus was born on this earth, to save us from sin, to give us the hope of eternal life. This is the why behind Christmas, so that we could have the hope of eternal life. Never forget that. Never forget that. Christmas is the celebration of the birth of our Savior. And the, and the right response for knowing that is worship. C- Christmas is the celebration of our, of our Savior. Once again, I, I'm not against all these things, these traditions and things. We have a tradition in our house and uh, every Christmas, and, and I mentioned a while ago, I love Christmas movies, my favorite, and this is our yearly tradition. Sometime every year between Thanksgiving and, and Christmas, we watch the movie Elf. I love that movie. I mean, just... It's, it's awesome. It's not godly, but it's awesome. But I love that. But these, those things aren't wrong. It's not wrong to, you know, get pictures made with Santa or, 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 or wrap gifts or various things. It's, there's nothing wrong with that in and of itself. But never forget why Christmas exists. Never forget the true meaning of Christmas. It, it's not about the trees. It's not about the presents. It's all about Jesus being born to be the Savior of the world. And our natural response to that should always be worship. Come let us adore Him. When you look throughout this Christmas story, and we, we read a few of these, but when you read this Christmas story, you can see different people when they were told about Jesus or when they come to see the baby, their, their first response was worship. Even all the way back before Jesus come on the scene when, when, when uh, uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth, when, when they were about to have John the Baptist, which would be the forerunner to, to telling the story of Jesus. It was all, it's all part of the Christmas story. When, when, they come, when Elizabeth come to, to Mary, or Mary come to Elizabeth, and, and Mary was pregnant with Jesus, the Bible says that she was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she began to worship. Zacharias worshiped. When, 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 when the angel went to tell uh, the shepherds uh, uh, about Jesus being born. I, I, and I don't know how it went down. All I can do is read the story. But, but what I gather from the context, the angels come and he say, Hey guys, man, I have wonderful news. I got good news. Man, uh, this is going to give everyone great joy. He says, the Savior, the Messiah, he's here. The one that we've been waiting for is here. The hope of the world is here. And what did they do? The Bible says as soon as the angel left, they went at once to the place where the child was, and they worshipped. They worshipped him. The Bible tells us of about a, a man by the name of Simeon who, who had prayed that, that he would see the Lord. And, and, and when the child was born, the, uh, he, it, the Holy Spirit notified him that, the child has been born. So he goes to the place where Jesus was. And he makes a comment, something along these lines. When he looks at the baby, he says, I have seen the salvation of the Lord. And he worshipped. He worshipped. Even when you read on, and, and, and scholars say that this could have been even up to two years after the birth. And we know this because when, when the wise men came to, to King Herod, and he asked, where's this, this child been born so that we can go and, and worship him? Herod, Herod said, yeah, I want to go and worship him too. And then he set out a decree that every child under the age of two years be killed because he wanted to stop this 
we know that it, it was obviously up to two years, somewhere probably around the 23 months after Jesus had been born when these wise men came to see Jesus. And, and, and I was looking this up this week, and, and people debate on this, but, but most scholars agree that these wise men traveled around 400 miles. Now, they didn't have cars back then. So they're either riding a camel or they're walking. But either way, that's a long, rough journey, right? But they came all of that distance to give gifts, not to Mary and Joseph, to give gifts not to one another, but to present their gifts to the child, the Savior of the world. And they worshipped him. That's a, we have trouble getting out of bed, driving five miles on a Sunday to come to church to worship. Aren't you glad you're here today? <laughs> But we have these, these wise men. How many they were, we don't know. We know that there were three gifts. We, we don't know how many, probably three, but, it, but, but, but that's irrelevant. But they came to give gifts to Jesus to worship this newborn king, savior of the world. They knew about him. They knew. They had, they had all of the law. They had the writings of the prophets. They had all of these things to know that one day this son was coming. Until then, there was no hope. But one day, this child was going to come. The Savior was going to be born. And when they realized he was here, their natural response was worship. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, come. Let us adore him. Let us worship him. Let us bring him treasures and gifts. It's all about him. Now, 2,000 years after this birth, we're on the other side. What is our natural response when we hear the Christmas story? Do we, do we automatically default to... It's about us and it's about presents and gifts and kids and family and these things. And th once again, those things are good. Those things are healthy. I think that's great that we do that to get our families together. But, but have we forgotten the why behind Christmas? Do you re do you, are you mindful of that today? That a Savior has been born to you. That a child has been given to you so that you could have the hope of eternal life. That's the story of Christmas. And I, I could go on and on this morning. I, I want to wrap this up by saying this, though. It's just like any other gift in the sense of this, that, that in order for this gift to, to work in your life, you have to open it. You have to unwrap it. You have to embrace it. Jesus has done all of these great things. And, and you may be sitting here this morning. Maybe you've never invited Jesus into your life. You've never repented of your sins and, and thanked God for... For, for sending his son so that you could be saved. Maybe you've, ever, you've never repented and made Jesus the Lord of your life. And I'm here to tell you, all of this story that I just read is a wonderful story. But if you never embrace that gift, then you're still a sinner. And there, there's no hope of eternal life. But because God loved you so much, he sent Jesus so that you could have eternal life by believing in him. And that word believe, in that, the way it's translated, the word believe is an action word. It's, it's not just believe in my mind. Oh, yeah, I believe about Jesus. I believe that he come and did this. That, the Bible even says the devil believes. But the word belief there is to actually embrace that and say, yes, I believe. I'm going to trust in Jesus for the saving, 
for my, 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 my savings, so that I can be redeemed, so I can be forgiven of my sins. I realize I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, and God sent His Son to, to be that Savior, and I receive Him into my life. And I'm going to walk away from the way that I've been living. I'm going to walk away from my lifestyle. I'm going to walk away from my own standards of what I believe is right and what I believe is wrong, and I'm going to embrace Jesus, and I'm going to live by His standards. That's what it means to turn from your sin and embrace a new way of living. We just did a whole series about it. Walk this way. To, to leave behind your way of living and embrace the way of the Savior. And in closing this morning, if you have never made the decision to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today is the day to do that. There's no greater day than today. To today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. And it's... it's, it's it's easy to make that choice. Now, it's, there's going to be some decisions you're going to have to make down the road when, you know, there, there are going to come temptations and things and some old ways of doing things that you're going to be tempted to do. And in those moments, you're, you're going to have to ask God to help you and, and, and to, to walk away from those and to do, what, do what's right in His sight. But right now, it, it's easy to come to Christ and say, Lord, forgive me. I need you. I'm a sinner I, and I'm in need of a Savior and I, I need you today. And you have an opportunity to do that this morning. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. And, and I'm going to pray over you. And then I'm going to give you a chance to respond. And then we're going to be dismissed this morning. Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for the privilege that we have to be reminded of the true Christmas story. God, I thank you. And I can't thank you enough, Lord, today of, of the, the precious gift that you have given us in your son, Jesus. God, I know even, even me, Lord, I, I, I've been a Christian for several, several years, but Lord, even I have taken the true Christmas story for granted over these years. Lord, there's been times where I didn't do it intentionally, but I have not prioritized the true meaning of Christmas. It's all about you, and Lord, I ask you to forgive me for that. And God, anyone else, Lord, that may be in my same shoes, Lord, who, who has failed to prioritize the true meaning of Christmas. Instead, they focused on, on other things and the commercialization of Christmas and, and gifts and candies and music and all these things. Father, I pray that you would remind us today of, of what Christmas is all about. Lord, we were desperate. We were, we were hopeless without you. We were in darkness. We were lost. We were destined for a devil's hell with no hope of salvation. But you sent your son to be born as a baby. To grow up and live a sinless life. To be the savior of the world. To die in our place. On a cross. To be buried and then raised to, raised to life again. So that we could have power over death. And that we could live forever. Lord, we thank you for that. And I just pray that if there's anyone in this room today, Lord, who needs to make a decision to follow you, who needs to ask you to forgive them of their sins and embrace the true Christmas gift today, that, that they would do that. With every head bowed and every eye still closed, I want to give you a chance to respond this morning. If you're here today and you, you realize that, that you are not living a life that's honoring the Lord, you realize today that, that you're a sinner and you want to receive Christ today. You want to receive this gift that God has given to the world. I want you to simply slip your hand up and put it right back down. Is there, is there one in this room? 
praise the Lord for that. I'm going to take it that by that, that all of us are, are children of God this morning. You can, you can open your eyes and look up today. Thankful for the true meaning of Christmas. All right, how many are thankful that God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to be our sacrifice, to pay for our sins? Let us not forget that. Let us not forget that. It's great to have traditions, but let us, let us worship the true uh, meaning or the true one of Christmas. It's what it's all about. I'm going to ask you to stand. I want to pray over you. I pray that you have a great holiday this coming Tuesday. Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for these people who've gathered together today, who've come out to, to worship you, to honor you, to sing songs and, and glorify you and to, to learn more about you. I just I thank you for them, God. I thank you for their, their, um, their desire to be in the house of the Lord today. And God, I pray that that you would just speak life into them. Lord, I pray that they would have a, a new desire to want to know, to know you more and to want to go to a new level of, of spiritual maturity. God, with a new year coming up, I pray that our main goal, Father Lord, would be to be more dedicated to you and to your goal and or to your plan for our life and that we would make that our goal. Lord, it's great to lose weight. It's great to work out and discipline our bodies and try to get stronger, Father Lord, but but all of those things are useless, Father Lord, if we don't make an intention to, to grow in, in our relationship with you. God, I pray that, that you would bless every family that's represented today. God, I know that many of them are going to be going to homes that, that may be dysfunctional. Lord, many of them are coming from blended families and Christmas times are, are, is tough for them. And God, I pray that you would, you would just uh, give them the grace, Father Lord, to, um, to be a, a, a representation of you. As we learned last week, God... Let their mouths be used as an instrument of grace this, this, this coming week. Uh, let us bless people with our words. Let us bless people with our, with our good deeds. I pray, Lord, that you would just help us always be mindful of you. And we thank you for all that you've done and all that you're doing and all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. God bless you guys. Merry Christmas. We will see you next week.